Hello, I'm Sergei Kruchkov, an architect from Russia, and I'm pursuing my master's degree at the MACAD program uh, at the Institute for Advanced Architecture of Catalonia. Uh, I would like to present to you the interview uh, with Octavian Georgiou, uh, the computation design and BIM expert associate at the Foster and Partners and faculty at the Bartlett School of Architecture, London, researcher of the robotic large-scale extraplanetary additive construction. There's no doubt that uh, the computational tools are adding much to the uh, development of architecture and uh, we can uh, state that today there already exists uh, a breed of architecture that couldn't have happened without using the uh, computational design tools. Uh, and I would like to stress that we're speaking about the uh, machine computational tools because in a sense, uh, computation has ever happened uh, in our own brain, uh, but um, our brain has limitations and uh, the machine uh, is the, in a way, an extension of it. Right, so um, my question to you would be uh, that if we speak uh, specifically about BIM, uh, can we treat it as uh, one of the computational design tool or uh, is it not a tool for the design but rather a digital environment for architecture design process to be happening more efficiently? Again, I think it's a great question, and it's, it, it, I think it's a bit of both, if I'm honest. So it is definitely an environment because it allows us to put together different tools in one place, right? And I, I think also demystifying a, a bit because it's, it's been around for quite a while. It's not a new tool, it's an, a, not a new environment is actually now probably being more broadly adopted by the practice and also somehow I see a bit of academia exploring it as well but it is something that the industry has been using for a long time even before I joined in the industry and going to your question and why I say it's a bit of both because uh, I, I would say it is an enabler in the sense that you can pull together information from various specialists. And I mean, not only architects, I mean, engineers, cost consultants and other people who can use the same information to do a bit more than they would have done by themselves, right? So it enables a collaborative process. Um, and also a bit, I would say it's a design tool in itself because you start to think in a certain in a way, not a different way, but you start certainly think about what you can do and how you can leverage that for your design right so for me one of the things that i found was that it provides more time to explore design right so in in that sense i call it a design tool because it gives you a bit more time to explore ideas and i think that's the key because all of a sudden time that you would have spent doing something like uh, drawing or uh, I guess communicating your design is reduced so in that sense it becomes a design tool right because I can try different ideas a bit faster and use 
the tool itself to do some part of my work that I would have had to do myself, right? So I, that's why I would say it's a bit of bully. It's not a conclusive answer. And I guess it varies depending on who you ask because there are also two types of people using it. And it's unfortunate because somehow in practice now we have different roles. You have the architect and then you have the beam managers. And, and it's a bit sad because I don't see those roles being separated. Um, and I do understand the need to separate them somehow because it streamlines who's responsible for what. Um, but I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll head to a future where these two merge and um, yeah, it, it becomes um, a one role and one environment and one design tool. Hope that sort of gives you a good answer. Um. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, mentioning time uh, was extremely interesting and, and unexpected for me because I have not thought about that, but that's really important because uh, you always have a deadline and you're creating your uh, idea within the limited time. So uh, yes, in this respect, the efficiency of the design process definitely becomes a design tool. Thank you for that. Um, you also mentioned that there are different types of people uh, using BIM, and I would suggest that uh, we should be considering more than two. It's not only architects and BIM managers, uh, but it's also um, other consultants and what is most important, uh, our clients, because uh, BIM has been created, or at least it has been developed uh, to becoming the common environment uh, for uh, the clients uh, and the consultants. And in this respect, my question would be, uh, don't you think that um, BIM uh, is not as much um, a tool for architect to control the design process, but for the client to control the architect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. I would say it depends on the architect. At the end of the day, you I do find that uh, you work for a client, right? Like they lead the project in many ways. It's not only through, uh, let's say the BIM environment, through reviews, sometimes you have project managers. So I wouldn't say the relationship has changed. If anything, it made it more transparent. Um, and for sure, I appreciate it because um, maybe it's also a way of, explaining certain things that might be a bit difficult to understand um, and definitely in a more visual way, right? So you mentioned uh, other consultants and some of the more difficult tasks of the, the architect that are not necessarily that visible is this coordination. So you're, you're sort of leading the orchestra and there are many players there, right? And I, I would say the environment enables you to make that process a bit more clear and also make uh, other people who might not be aware of all the complexities um, see through what is quite a, quite a difficult thing because construction is, is not really a simple thing. It seems simple until you start to put together everything that goes into it. And definitely I would say the fact that clients now have access to that helps a lot because all of a sudden, all these issues become very relevant and really, I would say, much easier to solve, right? The focus becomes 
clear every time like oh all right we have a bit more stuff to do on this front or yeah now it's a double sword edge because at the same time uh, everything takes time it's a process right and having real-time access to the kitchen you know in a sense it, it can also be bad right because all of a sudden you you have to manage that relationship right and expectancy as well right all right i'm still cooking this and again, I think it's a, a relationship that you develop. Let me then uh, pass to another question since we have started speaking about threats. Um, don't you think that um, the facilitation that BIM is providing might become a threat uh, because uh, over facilitation may profanate the profession? As it has happened in a sense to graphic design, uh, after the uh, widespread of the <clears throat> uh, easy uh, graphic tools in the computers, uh, after which uh, everyone suddenly started thinking that he's a graphic designer, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, right now we have uh, the IKEA kitchen planner. We have uh, some planning tools for uh, building up your own house online on the prefab houses, manufacturer sites, and things like that. And of course, these tools are very primitive so far, uh, but uh, aren't they uh, stealing, uh, not even job, but uh, the, mm, uh, let's say the, um, the, the authority in the design from the architect? No, I don't. I don't think so. Look, uh, ninety percent of what's built is built without an architect, and it's been the case for a long time. And so, it has nothing to do with uh, tools and anything. It's just having access to architects is is less prevalent, I think. And again, I would go to if you think what an architect does is not about using a tool or creating a tool set. It's about having that bit of knowledge and the experience to coordinate specialists and come up with solutions that are novel, that use new technologies that are more efficient and that you cannot take away because that's something that inherently is part of the practice of architecture. And again, uh, I work for a large practice and we constantly get clients that know exactly what they're coming for. And that doesn't go away just because the tools have changed. In 50 years, the practice has gone from drawing things to using computation and using all sorts of tools. But the interesting bit is that the conversations you have with the clients are the same. And the way you think about architecture evolves because you have new technologies and you have new opportunities and you use them. And I, I've never heard, at least in my circle, of this being an issue. If anything, it's an enabler. And I really appreciate that you give access to people who might not have access to an architect to do something. And it's interesting you're saying. So um, you, you made this uh, thing reference to the IKEA, Ikea kitchen planner. So just recently, uh, a friend uh, is looking to um, build his own um, vacation home. And um, before he even get, got started, and he's a close friend, he knows I'm an architect, he had a go as well as trying to make himself something. 
And uh, he he drew something and then he contacted me saying, look, that's kind of what I want, but um, you're an architect and I really want you to have a look at this and do it with me. And it's interesting because it also allowed me to understand what he wants, which would have been a process which I had to do by myself, right? I would have had to slowly work towards getting to understand what he wants, what he needs. And because he did it by himself was impressive because he already gave me that information and I could work from there, save me time and also gave me insight. And in a sense, if I would say be a future thinking architect, I would actually build these sort of tools, let them online and try to build trends try to learn from them because there is a bit of intelligence of the crowd, right? Like if you get the data on what, let's say the kitchen planning app produces, you have a very good understanding of what people want. And that's very powerful. That, that is the power of this. And I think we have to learn from companies like Amazon that have used that information to give people the products they really want. And that doesn't mean that someone will go and build their own house. They, they will just tell you more precise what they want. And I, I really believe that. I don't think it takes away. And I wouldn't compare with graphic design because yeah, anyone can be an architect, but to follow through is not the same as wanting to be, right? And one of my favorite architects has never trained as an architect and he's an amazing architect. I'm speaking of uh, Tada Ondo, right? Yeah, he he learned by doing right, and and you will say, well, amazing. Why not? Let, let's have different ways of getting into the profession. And I would love to learn that in the future, someone trained himself by using these tools and came up with interesting ideas, and became part of the profession. And the more we do it, the better it is. And work will always be around for whoever is interesting as a way of looking at things there is always going to be stuff to do because that's what someone wants or at, at least that's how i see it that's what the client comes and asks for okay you definitely have the intelligence the knowledge the experience to do something i can't right mm -hmm. great uh thank you for this answer uh because that's exactly what I, I was about to provoke you for. And um, my next question would be, uh, uh, do you see any potential uh, in BIM for uh, training and education of future generations of architects? And you have partly started answering this question already, but uh, uh, if you could say something more about uh, the role uh, BIM could play uh, as the educational tool. I think it's it, it is like a, a new type of pen. It's like learning to draw with uh, a new tool. You have to be able to, otherwise you're at the great disadvantage. Um, I appreciate programs like yours that focus on this. Um, I would, if I would look at it in the curriculum of, let's say, uh, a degree of architecture, I would say this is something we should have. I, I absolutely think it's quite important to have. 
And like any other tool, it has now its moment where it's sort of in the spotlight because many people are starting to use it, but give it a couple of years and you'll see it slowly fade because it becomes just another way of doing things, right? And it becomes second nature. You, you, you don't talk about uh, the types of markers or uh, pens you use. You talk about what you do with them, right? That, that's what it is and it's always been. That being said, there are quite a few moments like this where technology changes. And the interesting part is when these changes happen, you do get niche, let's say, practice that uh, leverages this change to make some type of novel projects. But again, those fail too. Like, I, I would always say, don't focus on the technology focus what you can do with it. And it is interesting, but for me, the ar architecture is still still quite about the same things, just new tools, new new toys, <laughs> which make it exciting because you, you challenge yourself to do something new with them. Well, but the to those toys are uh, reshaping us once we have started using them. And uh, as you have, uh, as we we have mentioned in the very beginning, uh, now there already exists architecture which could not have happened without uh, using the computer. Uh, so, getting back to this, uh, to, to to what we have started from, uh, do you think that there exists? already architecture that has been created in the BIM environment that would have been different if there has not been such an environment? Yeah. Oh, definitely, yes. And uh, again, I think maybe some of it comes from the fact that the practice is still learning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can see this, right? Because uh, the more complex parts are hard to do so you you shy away from them um and again i think it's a differentiator um again if i give the pen to you i give it to myself i give it to five more people you're gonna see talent like whoever is better at drawing with this they're going to shine and it's always been the case nothing changed it's just the same <laughs> some people are more talented they're more able or, and I would say yes, in a sense, maybe some people who are not that talented or not good, they'll say, well, it's a limit. Um, but no, I, I would definitely argue that it's not influencing in any way, at least in my experience, at least myself, it, it's not having any impact of how I think about architecture or how I think about making architecture. If anything, it, just allowed me to do certain things faster, more collaborative, um, and made me also think towards next steps. What, what, what could I do with this? Because I have, I have certain tool sets that are interesting for exploring ideas. And, and it's always a challenge because you never want to repeat yourself. You want to constantly push forward. And yeah, that, that's, that's what I would say, not really limiting and more, if anything, it, again, emphasizes the same thing that some people are more talented. Okay, yes, thank you. And uh, my last question uh, is what's next? 
post beam oh. <laughs> well i can tell you what i'm looking at but this is not in practice this is in academia uh, and you'll not be surprised but i'm looking at artificial intelligence machine learning uh, some very exciting things uh, coming from that um, and again um, it's exactly the same curve where people get to the buzz where you say you will do everything and then uh, you slowly decrease your expectations and now we've passed that decrease of expectations and now we're working on the real interesting problems and uh, a few brave people who are still doing this uh, evolving the tool sets and uh, I, I definitely I think it's going to have quite an impact on architecture um and already at least in uh, our research uh, at the barlet we're using machine learning for all sorts of things that traditionally we would have done uh, yourself not the, not the machine uh, programs and yeah i, I think it's, it's gonna have quite an impact on architecture um so that that's what's next for me the other thing that i really see as next comes down to sustainability because um, again, it's a big issue. And uh, again, in, in practice, at least at Foster and Partners, for us, sustainability has been part of the conversation day one. And we're very excited to see that it's become mainstream. And um, I think soon a lot of people will realize as we did that um, if you follow, um, if you follow the, let's say, uh, standards we have right now lead briam they're not enough they're not they're not good enough and um you have to come up with better ways at looking at the construction industry and you have to really take ownership of the impact you have and it's an exciting new thing because let's say this would have been somehow a side conversation in a lot of projects and now it's becoming the main conversation and it's exciting for, for me because I feel I can help. I know I can help and uh, I know that architects can help and it, it's for me even more exciting than the tools themselves um, because we can we can contribute to this. We can develop new ways of building things and that would mean off-site manufacturing, uh, better ways of constructing the buildings, better ways of managing the buildings, better ways of thinking about the whole process, not just building, but embodied carbon. Uh, how much energy you spend to make something, how much energy is needed while the building is running, how much energy you need to tear down a building and all this cycle. Um, and and that, that for me, it's extremely exciting, extremely exciting because I can see um, that we can go beyond architecture. We, we can start to talk about policy. We can start to engage, not just within our field and talk with the contractor, with the contractors, the clients. We, we can actually start to push that conversation to the general public, make everyone aware of, um, of this. And even, as I was saying, influence policy. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And um, speaking about um, the new uh, the new ways of uh, construction and uh, building management, 
um, would you agree that uh, BIM uh, in its um, current state uh, has been designed for um, the communication only between people and uh, it doesn't actually include that much the communication uh, with the fully automated uh, agents like, uh, you know, construction robot or uh, something like that, right? So after all, uh, BIM is a tool uh, for more efficient uh, organization of the team designing and finally producing the uh, 2D drawings for other people to read and build what we have designed. Uh, however, uh, the automated construction, the robotic construction is uh, something that is coming very soon, probably. And um, what do you think? How would it change the uh, the BIM concept? Well, uh, you're right there. I, I agree. There is a gap between, uh, let's say, um, construction and the way we, we think construction should be, right? Um, even though we're talking it's coming very soon, there isn't much of that actually. And uh, you can see it in the advanced world, in Europe, in North America, um, you're starting to have uh, the seeds of this um, with uh, manufacturing facilities that uh, are focusing on architecture. And, and that's, that's very valid what you're saying. The information we produce is not necessarily useful for the machines, but it is something that I actually think um, a partnership between industries will solve. And like anything we are now seeing is a, um, an acceleration of this, right? The, the fact that um, we're starting to see these sort of places emerge, they're also asking for the type of information that they need. And it's again, something that will organically happen once the demand for it is there. Um, it, it's quite hard to, to push for something because you have different agents, right? So the tool makers are not the contractors and the tool users are a bridge between, right? And um, it, it will sort of happen when, when the noise from one of the camps become strong enough that the other camp notices. The capacity is there. So again, because even within the tool makers, you have actually different packages that deal with what you're saying. They're not connected yet, but they will deal. I, I, I don't think it's something that uh, would be a problem because the knowledge is there, is just connecting the dots. Um, and again, if, you, if you're really trying to understand how things work. So if you think of what we make is, a, is at the end of the day, a geometry, right? So you have geometry engines and there's a Autodesk geometry engine, there's the Siemens geometry engine, there's the Dassault geometry engine, and then there are some open source ones, right? At the end of the day, if you look at what's behind the hood, you'll see that they are, most of them very similar with different different parts that specialize in certain very niche things. And it's not an issue. You can easily get the information from one to another quite easily. 
it is technical and definitely it's not something you would see an architect do. Um, but as I was saying, once the demand for it happens, the transition will be very fast. Okay. And I, I mean it. So for example, I was mentioning the geometry engines because each of them drives different things, right? So definitely like Dassault has traditionally been more towards manufacturing, right? And uh, I can tell you from again experience that it's quite easy to move stuff from one to another without an issue. That's extremely interesting, but uh, we really are uh, uh, getting onto a new big topic, and we already are slightly over time. So, uh, thank you very much for this talk, for your opinion, and uh, it was really inspiring, and uh, I hope it would be fruitful 